Good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys ready for the 4th of July? You guys got the burgers? Who's got the burgers? Who left the grill like just getting ready for this afternoon? Nobody, nobody does that, right? Um, how about uh, hot dogs? Who does hot dogs? Who goes like all out and just makes like a lechon like for 4th of July? <laughs> um, I got to be honest with you, I got nothing ready for the 4th of July. Uh, I've been working on this message and, you know, we got a new baby in the house and that's been taking up all of my time. But I do have fireworks. I didn't go buy fireworks. I have fireworks from last year. And here's the thing. Um, you guys know I have two little boys. And um, last year uh, I was so excited. Oh, that's them there with fireworks. Um, last year I was so excited to celebrate uh Fourth of July with them, and I'm like, hey, you guys want to get fireworks? And, and they're like, yes, Poppy, we want fireworks. And they've seen fireworks like at Disney and stuff like that. And so they, they wanted fireworks. And so I got them in the car, and I took them to Publix, because if you want fireworks, that's where you go, right? And so we go to Publix, and there's this little section with fireworks, and, and they're both, they don't, you know, there are two of them, and they're little, so I can't sit them both in, like, the little place you're supposed to sit them. So I do what the sign says not to do. I put them in the cart. Uh, when I go to Publix, and so they're both in the cart. I put the box of fireworks in the cart, and then they're like fighting for the box. Give me the box. Let's light them up, Poppy. Let's light up the fireworks. And I'm like, no, we got to pay for them first. And fireworks are not for the inside. They're for the outside. And as this is happening, I'm thinking to myself, what am I getting myself into? And from the moment we get in the car to the moment it's dark enough to light these things up, all I hear is, Poppy, can we light the fireworks? Poppy, come on, can we do it now? Why can't we do it now? I'm like, it's, it's not dark enough. You're not going to see them. And so finally, night comes. And I'm thinking, finally, I could light these things up. These kids could go to sleep. And they could leave me alone, right? So the joy has gotten out of the whole thing. But then I start setting it up. And then my little boys are like following me around and doing everything I'm doing. If I bend over and I set something up, they bend over and then they touch it. You know, and they're imitating everything that I'm doing. And then the joy comes back in and I'm happy. And, oh, they're going to remember this day for the rest of their life. The first time we lit fireworks together. And it's all this dream. And I'm setting up my mini Disney World firework exhibition. I'm lining everything up. I got my giant lighter and, and, and I tell them, all right, guys, go to the corner. I'm going to light this up. I don't want you to get hurt. And, and I start with the smallest one, you know, in those packs. It says like 45 fireworks, but most of them are like this big, right? And so I, I light that, the first one. I grab it. I light it up. I put it on the floor and I'm thinking, yes. And all of a sudden, ba 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 ba, sparks go up. The air gets full with smoke and my kids go crazy. And not like good crazy, bad crazy. These kids are screaming. They're banging on the door so they can let them back in the house. They run into the house. And I'm thinking like, no. Our 4th of July is ruined. And, and I go inside and, and they're hiding from me because they know how persuasive I can be. They know I'm going to try to convince them to come back outside. And they're hiding in a corner. And I walk up to them and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, you scared us, Bobby. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean I scared you? Yes. The fireworks are like bombs, and, and, and they're scary. And I was like, no way. I couldn't believe that this was happening, and I felt so bad for them because they were so excited to see these fireworks. And you see, all of us, we all have moments in our life that when we're scared of something. You know, as I'm saying this now, think about what is that thing that you're scared of? And something pops into your head and actually Googled it. And I looked up the things that people are, are most commonly scared of. And one of the first things is spiders. All right. People are scared of spiders. And if you're scared of spiders, feel free to, you know, talk to me. You know, anybody scared of spiders? All right. Heights, closed in spaces, 
snakes, water. Some of you are, are scared of water. I, I could smell from here. Um, storms, crowds, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And, and here's the truth. There's some of you here that are scared of something, and you'll probably be scared of it for the rest of your life. And, but the, here's the thing. That, that fear that you have probably won't affect how your life turns out. For example, on Wednesday, I was outside with my kids again, since we just have, we have like a, I think like an 18 day old baby girl. And I should have brought a picture, but I didn't. Um, and she's so beautiful. Um, but, uh, I gotta get these kids out of the house, the two and the four year old. I gotta get them to do stuff. And they like being outside. And when they're outside, they do the most disgusting things, dig the most disgusting stuff and chase things. And so I'm outside with them and they're chasing bugs and stuff like that. And, and as they're doing this, I'm sweating bullets and I'm wondering, when are these kids going to like want to go inside already, you know? And then I see this tiny little lizard. I mean, it was about the size of a quarter. And I'm thinking, I got, I got to do something and my kids are going to be so impressed by their dad who's going to catch this tiny lizard. And so they're in a the corner. I cup this little lizard. I mean, it was slow and I got it under my hand. And then I'm like, come here, guys. Look what Papi caught. Look what Papi caught. And they come and they're like, okay, let me see, let me see, let me see. And I, I lift my hand up a little bit. And as soon as I lift my hand up a little bit, that little lizard leaps and jumps right on my face. All right? And this thing's on my face. And I'm screaming now like a little girl. Ah, get this thing off. And then I like bend over. And then I'm like, get it off. Get it off my face. Get it off my face. Then they start slapping me. Ba, 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 ba. And then I look and like the little lizard's like walking on the floor. But they're just enjoying beating up their dad. You know, so much for trying to impress my kids. You know, a little harmless lizard. I shouldn't have been afraid of that, right? But there are things in life that we should be afraid of. For example, jumping in front of a bus. Be scared of that. That, that won't turn out good. Petting a lion. Not good. Proverbs 22.3 says this. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. Fear has its place, but fear also can become overwhelming. And it can even become sinful because fear causes us to doubt God's promises. Fear causes us to not believe how much God truly loves us. Fear can paralyze us and keep us from stepping out in faith and achieving the things that God has designed us and created us to achieve. See, the devil loves a fearful Christian. Fear is one of Satan's number one tools. It reminds me of the time that the disciples were in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a storm breaks out. And in the middle of the storm, the disciples, they start freaking out. They think they're going to die. They think that it's over for them. And then in the middle of the storm, as they think that, hey, this is it, we're going to die Everything that Jesus told us, it's over, we're done, the water's coming in the boat. They see something from a distance, and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then they start screaming, it's a ghost! It's a ghost! And I love what happens next, Matthew 14, 27. Jesus says this, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Jesus shows up in the middle of this storm and saves them. And as I think about the story, and I read it, what stands out to me, it's not how, how Jesus walks on water, even though that's super cool. It's so cool that when I was a teenager, one summer, I'm staying in, in, a, in a hotel on South Beach. And, and I remember hanging out by the pool, and I start praying. And I tell God, Lord, why don't you let me walk on water? 
I mean, it, nothing is impossible for you, right, God? I mean, we, we sing about it. I heard the pastor talk about it. Nothing's impossible for you. And here's the deal. You let me walk on water, and while I'm standing on the water in this hotel, and people are like in awe because I'm not walking on water, and the news gets there, and the TV stations get there, in the middle of it all, I'll start preaching. And I'll tell everyone about you. And, and, and God didn't say anything back to me, by the way, but um, I walked towards the deepest part of the pool. And with all faith, I stepped over to the edge of the pool, and I'll show you exactly what happened. No, I'm not. I put my foot over the edge, the deepest part of the pool, and guess what happened? The biggest belly flop of, like, history in that hotel. Part of my prayer was answered because everyone saw me, all right, and everyone heard it. But you know where I was? I was in the bottom of that pool. Now back to Jesus. <laughs> I wasn't blown away that Jesus came to save the day. I wasn't, it didn't stand out to me that he walked on water. Jesus made the water. In the book of Genesis, it says that he hovered over the water. Before he made anything else, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the what? Upon the water. And so reading this, that doesn't stand out to me. What blows me away is the fact that these disciples are freaking out when they're in the middle of this storm. This is Matthew 14. This isn't Matthew 1 or 2 or 3. This is Matthew 14. These guys have been with Jesus for a while. They've, they've seen Jesus heal blind people. They've seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They've seen Jesus heal leopards. Matthew chapter 8, the disciples are with Jesus in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Same exact place. And Jesus speaks to the storm, calms the storm, calms the waves. And yet, here they are once again, freaking out. Actually, a couple hours be before, Matthew 14, same chapter, a couple hours before the storm breaks out, Jesus multiplies five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish and feeds 5,000 people. And these 12 guys that think they're going to die are the ones that passed it out and then collected leftovers. Okay, I'd be hungry if I'd eat five pieces of bread and two little pieces of fish. Yet 5,000 people ate and were fed. They witnessed that miracle. And yet... They're freaking out and they're doubting as the storm breaks out. You see, the same thing happens to us. Same thing that happened to them. We forget who the God that we serve is. We forget about the times that Jesus has rescued us. We forget about the many times that Jesus has brought peace in our lives in the middle of a storm. The same way that the disciples forgot that in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus calmed the storm. Now Matthew chapter 14, they're freaking out. We forget how Jesus has blessed our lives time and time again. Today as we continue in our series Inside Out through the book of Romans, we're here in Romans chapter 8. And the Apostle Paul, if you turn to your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul begins to say this in verse 31. He begins to give us this blessed assurance. He begins to remind us of what God has done for us, of the life that we're intended to live, of the victory that we have in Jesus. And he says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. 
Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? If you pause there and give me your attention, we'll take it right from the top. Pause starts out by saying, what then shall we say about these things? What things is Paul talking about here? The things we saw in chapter 8, that we're not condemned, that we're set free to serve God, that we're adopted into his family and have a close relationship with him. That when we suffer, when we go through trials and persecution, we're not conquered. We are changed. We're not destroyed. That we have a helper that molds us from the inside out. That prays for us even when we don't know how to pray. That's what he's reminding us about. The things in chapter 8 that orchestrates events so that God's good comes out of every situation, even bad ones. See, in in light of all of those things, he says that. In light of these things, then he asks the question, if God is for us, who can be against us? Say that with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? Paul's reminding us here in the book of Romans that God is on our side. And I know that maybe there's times in your life when you feel like no one's on your side. You know what? God is on your side. And the first feeling in your outline, you must remember that God is for you. God is for you. God loves you. God wants to use you. God wants to forgive you. There's some of you that you're walking around with all this sin and all this pain because you think that there is no way that God can forgive you. You know what? Today, right now, in this very moment, if you ask him, he will forgive you. God has amazing plans for you. God has amazing things in store for you that he's ready for you to enjoy. And you're not enjoying them because you're fearful, because you're anxious, because you don't realize who God really is. Because the devil is lying to you and he's telling you that you are not good enough. See, a fearful person is someone, is someone who worries. And the last thing you want to do as a fearful person, as someone who worries, is take that step of faith and try something that maybe you've never tried before because you're worried. You're worried that you're going to mess up, that you're going to make a mistake, and then everyone's going to see you and that you're going to let someone down. And that fear of letting someone down is keeping you from taking that next step and trusting God. See, that is where fear becomes sinful. Or maybe because you're worried of what your friends will say because they know who you were before. Many of you won't sign up to do things here at church, to serve or whatever, because you don't want someone that knows who you were or someone that knows who you are outside of church to see you and maybe make fun of you. Many of you don't even tell your friends about your faith in Jesus because you're worried that they'll make fun of what you tell them or the way that you act. How many times have you stood and listened to like a dirty joke or maybe hear your friends spread gossip and just pretended that it was cool? But on the inside, you're, you're dying. On the inside, it hurts. On the inside, you know it's not right, but you're afraid to stand up because of what they'll think about you. When I was growing up uh, and, and I went to church with my parents, I, I didn't like sitting next to my parents when I went to church. And, and, and we'd walk through the doors of the church and they'd go right and I'd go left. And it wasn't because I wanted to mess around with my friends. It wasn't because I didn't want to worship. It isn't because I didn't want to hear the message It was because I was ashamed to sit next to my parents and take notes. Because on the way to church, they were in the car when I like yelled at my sister, Shut up! Or leave me alone! Or you're driving me crazy! 
I didn't, I didn't want to be next to my mom and my dad when, when the band was singing a song. And I, I felt like raising up my hands and worshiping God because they knew me outside of that. And I, I was afraid that they would think, and, and maybe they would have never thought it, but this is a fear that I had. I was afraid that they would think that I was fake and that I was not genuine. You know what, guys? You don't have to feel that way. God is on your side. God is so for you, and I want you to listen to this. God is so for you that he spared no expense to have us as his own. He gave us Jesus. God loves you so much that he didn't spare anything for you. He paid the ultimate price for you. It's like that thing that that you want, and you'll do anything to get it, regardless of the cost. That's how God sees you as the most precious thing ever, so precious that he gave us Jesus. So if God is for us, then who could be against us? Or put it in another way, if God is on our side, what do we have to worry about? If God is on your side, what do you have to worry about? It's like when you go to the playground with your big brother, all right, and, and, and no one's going to mess with you. Right? You go to the playground, you have big brother, big cousin, and, and you walk in and no kids are going to pick on you because they know if they pick on you, they got to mess with your big brother. And, and I know that to be true, not because I had a big brother, because I didn't have a big brother. All right? And when I would go to the playground, people would mess with me. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I had a big brother to go to the park with and then I wouldn't have to look, be, look you know, watch my back. I wish I had a big brother to ride bike with. I wish I had someone to climb trees with, but I didn't. And you know what? You don't have to live your life like that. You don't have to live your life. God is with you. In verse 34, it says this, Who is he that condemns? The he that verse 34 is talking about, guess who it is? It's the devil. And the translation that we're reading, uh, to be honest, it's a little formal. Okay? And, and if I was translating this in my Miami Cuban, and I got to throw Christian dialect in there because if it wasn't Christian, there'd be a few expletives in this next translation that I'm about to read to you. But if I was translating verse 34, it'd be this. Who the heck does the devil think he is trying to condemn us? Who does he think he is? That's what Paul's saying to us. Okay, this is like a translation so that religious people can read it in church so that it sounds pretty. But the truth is this. Who does he think that he is. And you need to ingrain that in your mind next time that he's lying to you, next time that he's condemning you, next time that you feel like you are not good enough. Say this to him. Who do you think that you are? You see, a lot of people, they think of the devil as like God's equal nemesis. Like yin yang, you know, there's all this good and all this bad and it kind of balances the world. And that's why, you know, the world spins on its axis because God is all good and the devil is all bad. Let me tell you something. There is no balance when it comes to God and the devil. Not even a hint of balance. The devil's a liar and a cheater. I love what Second Corinthians says. And no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. All right, forget the angel of light part for a second. Look at the word masquerade, all right? Think of a masquerade. He is a fool. He's a pretender. He is disguising himself as something that he is not. Yet he has an entire world in chains. And he wants to have us, God's people, pinned back, cornered, and not living the victorious lives that we were designed to live. And he's walking around with a stupid little mask laughing at us. It's time that we 
rip that mask off his face and begin to live the life that God created us to live? Are you ready to live that life? Are you ready to live the life that Jesus created you to live? You know that Satan must submit to the authority of God. Authority that you and I have. See, the power of God, the greatness of God, the splendor of God far outweighs anything that Satan could even think of being. I mean, he's nothing. He's like that little lizard that jumped on my face. All right. I I would have loved to see a video of myself crying like a little girl with a lizard about this big on my face. All right. It would have been ridiculous. You guys would probably be falling over your chairs if I had that video and I showed it up on the screen. The thought of that is making some of you laugh. And yet that's what happens to us. This stupid little quarter sized lizard is controlling our emotions. This little quarter sized lizard has us in fear, has us crippled. It is Christ who died for us and furthermore is risen. He is alive. So next time you're afraid and worried, I want you to remember Romans 8, 35. It says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Stop there for a second. I want to I break this down. First thing I want you to write down is nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And Paul gives us some examples, and I'm going to go back to some of the original language to explain this to you. The first thing that he says that can't separate us from the love of God is tribulation. If we go back to the original language, we're talking about pressure can't separate you from the love of God. Oppression, anxiety, these things can never separate you from the love of God. He says distress. Okay, this is like a set of difficult circumstances. Some of you may be going through a difficult circumstance right now. You know what? That can't separate you from the love of God. Persecution. Being pursued. Being persecuted. Okay, and maybe we don't experience that. But there are people all over the world that because of their love for Jesus, they're being persecuted. Actually, on July 10th, which I believe is next Sunday, there's going to be two missionaries on this stage that actually live in a country where it's not legal to be a Christian. Yet they've been living there for eight years, spreading the love of Jesus with their like two-year-old and their five-year-old kid. All right? That can't separate them from the love of God. Persecution can't separate you from the love of God. Famine. If we go back to the Greek, this is more of like community poverty, a recession. Has anybody ever heard that word before? All right. That's something that we hear on the news all the time. That's something that many Obama says we're not in. Some other people say we're in. Some people in Miami say that we're not in it. Some people on the other part of the United States are not in it. But we can all admit one thing. Agree that there's like an economic crisis in our country right now. That can't separate us from the love of God. The next thing is nakedness. And, and you say, okay, I don't see anybody naked in here, I hope. All right? And uh, maybe separate you from some of us, but that can't separate you from God. But the, the original, the original nakedness that this is talking about, it refers to poverty. All right? It refers to losing your job. It refers to, like, having a, a, a financial crisis. That cannot separate you from the love of God. Then it says danger. Danger is danger, okay? A threatening situation can't separate you from the love of God. And then sword. And I I remember thinking, sword, what what does that mean? Okay, and this goes back to being punished. 
for being a Christian. That's something that Paul knew about. When I preached last time a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how Paul was persecuted, how Paul was beat down, how Paul was thrown into a prison, and that did not separate him from the love of God. And what I want you to do right now is think about what you're going through right now. All of you have something, I mean, regardless, whether big or small, maybe it's the fear of an email that you need to send on Tuesday. And you know that, that man, that email is either going to get you fired or get you a promotion or going to get someone else fired. And you're like, oh, I need to do my job. But hey, or maybe for you, it's a humongous decision that you need to make or a crisis that's going on in your life. You know what? God loves you. God's there for you. God is on your side. And all these things, man, they sound bad. And at times we may even feel, why is this happening to us? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? We need to trust God. Paul tells us, do not fear. Remember, nothing can separate you. And not only does Paul encourage us not to give up, he says this at the end, we win. You and I, regardless of the situation that you're in, you are a winner. Let's keep reading. Romans 8.37, it says, Yet in all of these things, those things you thought about, those things in the back of your mind, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Can we read that together? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I, th- I think we could do better than that. I, I'm sure most of you have passed like the sixth grade. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Yet in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. He continues to say, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything other created thing can be able to separate us. He repeats it again two times in these couple of verses. He repeats it again. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The third thing I want you to write down is that you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. What what does that mean? I mean, it, it sounds cool. I'm more than a conqueror. But if you think about it, what does that really mean? And, and so I, I want to show you this. I want to show you more than a conqueror. It's this person. Anybody know who, who this is? This is Millie. How can you not know who Millie is? Millie is his wife. All right? Under all the bruises and the swelling. Anybody know who that is? That's Oscar de la Hoya, all right? Huge boxing champ after he won a title. He's the conqueror. She is more than the conqueror. Why? Because while for the next month he's recovering from the bruises and the, and the broken things and, the, and looking like that, I mean, he's been on the cover of GQ magazine. You know where she is? She's shopping, okay? She's spending the millions that he made. He got the living daylights beat out of him, the conqueror, more than the conqueror. We are more than conquerors. You know who got... The stuff beat out of him for you and for me? Jesus. You know who died on the cross for you and for me? Jesus. He paid the price to make us more than a conqueror. I mean, and if that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what can encourage you. So next time you're going through a difficult circumstance in your life, think, I'm more than a conqueror. 
I've won. This tiny little lizard on my face, the situation that I'm going through is nothing compared to who God is. It's nothing compared to the love that God has for me. It's nothing compared to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's nothing compared to him being alive and risen. And it says that he's interceding for us next to the Father. We must remember that God is for us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. You've got to remember that you are more than a conqueror. And now that we know all this stuff, the question that we have is this. How do we conquer fear? I know all this stuff, man. And this is great, like power that I have here, but how do I use it? How do I put it into practice? The first thing that you need to do is trust in God. Trust in God. Stop freaking out when the lizard jumps in your face. Stop freaking out when your problem, your situation, that decision that you need to make, the way that you need to change your life. Man, you're scared. Yeah, I've been like this my whole life. How can I change? Or my family doesn't think I should do that. And yet I feel God calling me to do this. I feel God leading me to do this, but my family doesn't want me to do it. Who do I obey? People or God? Step out in faith. Trust God. God is on your side. I love what Psalms 118 says this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on your side you got nothing to fear. What can man do to you if God is on your side? If God is going to the park with you like that big brother that maybe you wish you had, that maybe you never had. God is there. You have no need to be alone. The second thing that you need to do is you need to turn your fear over to God. That thing, that fear that's crippling you. Just say, God, you know what? Here it is. And maybe for some of you it's going to be like... Ah, ah, here it is, God. But give it over to God. Stop carrying that fear. See, a lot of times we just become comfortable. And we accept it, and we just say that, that's just the way that I am. That's just the way that I am. You know, I'm I'm fearful of this, or I don't like that, or I don't like confrontation, or, you know, I don't like speaking in public, so, you know, if I get that job, I have to lead people. I'm, I'm scared of leading people. But, you know... My kids, they've been wearing the same shoes for 10 months and they got holes in it. And I could provide if I if I went for that promotion. But but I'm scared. You know what a lot of times keeps us from doing stuff is the fear of being rejected. Maybe you are 100 percent capable of doing something. You are completely gifted, but you never exercise that gift because you're scared of failing. You're scared of what people are going to say if you trip and fall and make a mistake. Go out there. Trust God. God is on your side. Turn your fear over to him. God did not create you to be fearful. Second Timothy says this, for God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When God created you, the Bible tells us that he created us in the palm of his hand. And he's putting all the ingredients into us. And one of the ingredients that he didn't put in was fear. He didn't say, all right, I'm going to make You know, little Johnny, and here's a little bit of fear. No, you know what he did? He gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us a sound mind. He didn't put spirit of fear in us. That's what the devil whispers into our ear is fear. You're not good enough. You can't do it. Oh, my gosh. What are people going to say if you make a mistake? What are people going to say if you fail that class or if you don't get an A plus 
you know, 5.0 GPA. Don't take that class. Don't go here. You know what? Trust God. Put your faith and your hope in God. Because you know what fear does? Fear will rob you from the blessings you were intended to enjoy. Fear will rob you from the blessings you were intended to enjoy. The same way that fear robbed my kids from enjoying the fireworks that they were longing for all day long. They almost threw each each other out of the shopping cart trying to touch these fireworks. And when the moment came to enjoy them, fear kept them from it. You've been working for something your entire life and fear is probably keeping you from that. God is speaking to you right now and fear is keeping you from obeying God. The next thing that we need to do is remember that God cares for you. So turn all your worries over to him. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to him. Third thing we need to do is stand firm on God's promises. All right? The Bible gives us so many promises. The word of God is full of promises, of power, of encouragement. And we need to read it. We need to memorize it. We need to believe it. And when we're going through a tough time in our life, we need to fall back on it. All right? I'll give you an example. How many of you have a song that when you hear it on the radio... The DJ's playing my favorite song, and it's what keeps me moving, or something like that, right? You know, and you hear a song, whatever it may be, maybe it's like a journey song, you know, or, or maybe it's like, uh, uh, let me see, uh, something about soul, wind, and fire, earth, wind, and fire, and you hear that, woo, that takes me back, you know? You hear songs, and it takes you back. Or maybe you hear a love song, and it's like, it hurts. Because you were with this girl or you were with this guy that broke your heart. Has anybody ever experienced that? Music takes you back. You know, you hear that song and it's like, you know, you hear that boom, boom, boom. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that party. That was so much fun. You know. How about if we begin to memorize the word of God? And when we're going through a tough time, instead of thinking boom, 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 we're thinking I'm more than a conqueror. If we begin to think what Joshua 1, 5 says, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You know why we remember songs? Because God has created us to remember his word inside of our heart is a desire to be full of the word of God. And yet we fill ourselves with boom, 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 instead of with God's word. We fill ourselves with earth, wind, and fire, or meatloaf, and not the food, but the music, or, you know, Uncle Luke, or whatever it may be. And our mind is filled with all this garbage, taking up God's space. Stand firm on God's promises. And number four, it's just one word, it's a four-letter word, a good four-letter word, pray. Pray. You will conquer fear by praying. You will conquer fear by talking to God. You will conquer fear when you're going through a difficult time in your life and instead of calling your friend and saying, oh my God, Juanita, you're not going to believe what's happening to me. You're not going to believe what he did to me. Or, yo, dog, man, it's happening again. You know, she slapped me. You know, whatever it may be. All right? Instead of, instead of calling one of your buddies or one of your girlfriends, call God. Cry out to God. Jeremiah 33, 3 says this, call unto me and I will answer. It's not even on my notes. It's not even on the screens. It's in me. It could be in you. Memorize God's word. When you're going through a difficult time in your life, call on God and he will answer you. 
When you feel alone, when you have doubt, when you begin to get anxious about a situation, pray. Prayer is the answer to conquering fear. Prayer is that last touch. All right? I love what Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that like just such a relax, a relaxing phrase? Like when someone tells you, hey, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. All right? You go to dinner and you order an appetizer and a steak and your wife orders a steak and you're, you're sitting with your friend and they just keep ordering and then you're like dessert and you're thinking like, oh man, I hope I don't have to pay the bill. You know what I mean? And so, you know, they start loading up the table and you're eating and you just want to, yeah, you know, I, I could do it. And then the time for the bill comes. All right. And you do like the, the reach. Right. And you're thinking like, man, I'm going to reach, but I hope he reaches first. And then he says, hey, don't worry about it. I got it. I'll take care of it. God is telling us today, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way that you think and feel. Pray to God. And he will give you the peace that you think. And isn't peace the thing that people desire most? I mean, even people that don't know God, they're like, man, I just want inner peace. And and if I think about, man, what do people want the most? I'd say that people want to be peaceful. People want happiness. They want security. And that is why that's the number one thing that Satan will attack. He'll rob it. He'll take it from us. And fear destroys peace. Fear will destroy everything in your life, little by little. You'll become someone who will never achieve anything because fear is crippling you. Your dreams, you're not reaching them because of your lack of faith and your fear. Maybe there's big decisions right now that some of you need to make. There's some of you here today that you're like, man, I've been talking about fear. And every time I say the word fear, boom, a name pops into your head. A decision pops into your head. Some pain that you have inside of your heart pops into your head. And you're thinking like, man, God, are you talking to me? Could you possibly be talking to me today? I believe this, and I know this for a fact. There are people that are here today that God has a special plan for your life. I mean, God is calling you to be a leader. God is calling you maybe even into ministry. And you're thinking, man, there's no way that God could call me. After all the things that I've done, after the things that I'm doing right now, after what I did last night, after what I did this week, there's no way that God could have a call in my life. And maybe throughout this message you've been thinking, man, is God really calling me? Am I fearful? Am I not taking that next step? Am I not trusting God? God is calling you this morning. And there's some of you here that is a specific calling. And you know what it is and you're fearful. You're like, man, I can never stand up on a stage. And yet I feel God calling me to do that. Man, God's calling me to, to teach children, but, but there's no way that I could teach children. I've never had a kid in my life. And yet I feel this love and this desire to do this. In a couple days, there's a group of about 13 people that are going on their first missions trip. And maybe every time we talked about the missions trip, you're like, man, I should go. But, but dude, I have this problem. I have this sin There's no way that I can make that next step. There's some of you here that God's calling you and talking to you and turning your heart. You know what? You need to be baptized. 
And you hear us announce it. You hear us make videos about it. You hear us giving away books in the back. Like, like you know, get baptized, get baptized, get baptized. You know that Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was baptized? Jesus, God. He set the model for us. And yet, we sit here today and we're like, I, I can't take that next step because of this. You know what? God loves you. As messed up as you are, God loves you. And he wants all that messed up junk in your life. He says, you know what? Give it to me. Stop carrying it. Stop struggling. Stop being fearful. I want it. You know that when God called Moses, and we've all, most of us have seen the movie or the cartoon, all right? And he calls Moses to free his people. His people are captive, are prisoners. God calls Moses to free them. And the first thing that Moses says, but, but, but God, God, God you know, I, I have a speech impediment. And he tells God he has a speech impediment. There's no way that he can be the leader that God needs him to be. And God said, if I'm with you, who could be against you? And God's telling you today, if I'm with you, who could be against you? That promotion that you need, if I'm with you, who could be against you? That educational decision that you need to make, if I'm with you, who could be against you? Man, that relationship that you just need to destroy today and say, you know what, I can no longer be with this person. Oh, but I've just been with them for so long. It's so comfortable. It's so sinful. And you're scared of being alone. And you'd rather be with someone that's bringing you down than being alone and honoring God. Be brave. And I'm talking to single people, not married people now. Don't go home and like kick your husband or wife out of the house. All right, there's single people here today that are in a relationship that is ungodly. And you're scared of being alone. You're scared of crying, of hurting someone's feelings. Be scared of what will happen in the future. Be scared of raising kids in a home where mom and dad are fighting. Be scared of bringing up kids in a single family home. Be scared of that. Be scared of where that person's going to spend the rest of their life. And if you're a follower of God, it's not with you. And believe me, God has not called you to date this person to bring them to Christ. That's not biblical. God says, do not be unequally yoked. Don't fear and make the right decision today. There's some of you that, man, there's something bad going on. And God's calling you to stand up for what's right. I don't know what it is, but you know what I want to do right now? I want to pray for you. Ivan's playing some music. I want to pray. They're going to dim the lights. I don't want people looking around. And I'm just going to ask everyone, if if you're here today, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're going to talk to God. We're going to talk to God, and and we're going to surrender our fear over to Him. We're going to say, God, I'm scared of this. I'm fearful of this. Father, I lack faith. Give me faith. Help me trust in You. And if you're here today and you're going through a difficult circumstance in your life, I'm going to ask you right where you are, don't be fearful. Stand up and I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask the leaders, if there's any leaders around, just just put your hand on them and pray for whoever it is that stands up. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. I I want to say a special prayer for you. For God to give you the courage to stand up and do what's right. For God to give you the courage to to take a step of faith and trust Him. Like I said before, I'm sure that there's people here that God's probably calling you into ministry. God's calling you to do amazing things for Him. And you're fearful. 
and you're afraid. And Satan is lying to you and telling you that you're not good enough, that you're too sinful. If you're here today, and that's you, and you say, God, I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I don't want to be fearful anymore. I don't want to worry anymore. I don't want to have anxiety crippling me. If you're here today, right where you are, just stand, and I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here with friends, with your husband, with your wife. Stand with them, and let's pray together. begin to pray and as I pray just stand so we can pray together I see you standing if you're a leader in the church I just want to ask you to please just just put your hand on them and and pray for whoever it is that's standing around I can't really see because of the lights but I, I do see a few people standing and let's believe let's believe that we are more than conquerors let's believe that nothing could separate us from the love of God dear God I come before you right now and I thank you for your word For your word that gives us power, that encourages us, that tells us that nothing can take us away from you. That tells us that we've won. And that small thing that's crippling us, that lie, that fear that's holding us back is nothing in comparison to you. And we believe that today, God. And I pray that you do an amazing work in the lives of those that are standing up. God, and I pray, even now, As we all agree and are talking to you, there's people here that fear is keeping them in their seat. And I pray that they would stand up and not allow fear to keep them from enjoying what they are intended to enjoy in you. The peace that they're intended to enjoy in you. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for us. Because you are alive and no one can condemn us. And no one can speak against us. Because you've conquered Satan through your victory on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, and we give you thanks. And everyone says, Amen.